Welcome to Extra Musical, the podcast where we delve into the lives, thoughts, creative process, and hobbies of musicians and other creative artists. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast, visit www.hiddencinemarecords.com slash podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast and everything else going on at HCR, become a patron at www.patreon.com slash hiddencinemarecords. Today, we're joined by Northeast Ohio-based saxophonist, composer, and educator Bobby Salvaggio. In the words of legendary saxophonist Joe Lovano, Bobby is one of the few saxophonists on the scene today that captures you with his strong presence, focus, and sound. Bobby, who grew up in the Cleveland area, earned his Bachelor of Music in Music Performance from Kent State University, where he now teaches. You can view a full bio of Bobby's on our website where our show notes are. But for now, let's get to the interview. Hey, listeners, uh, welcome back to uh, our second start of Extra Musical. We just took a small break for the month of May, and you're back for our first episode of June. Uh, We're sitting down with Bobby Salvaggio. I almost said Bobby Watson because we were literally just talking about Bobby (laughs) Watson. Uh, We're sitting down with my friend uh, Bobby Salvaggio. For people who don't know you, Bobby, uh, what's your story? Who are you? Where are you from? Where are you based? Man, my story, that's interesting. Well, I'm based <laughs> in Northeast Ohio, and uh, I come, I, I'm a, 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 a child of a musician, right? So that, that's oh, yeah. part of my backstory, right? My father, Pete Salvaggio, uh, was a great uh, jazz accordion uh, piano player. Oh, cool. um, he, he went to Brush High School, which is like where Lovano went, and um, you know, he comes from a line of, of musicians that, that went to that school in particular and ended up uh, going out on tour with uh, Gal Lombardo, man, when he was 19 years old. Isn't that crazy? Man. Yeah, playing playing accordion. And then their, the piano player left and he, he didn't really play piano much. He kind of learned piano on the gig <laughs> while touring. Isn't that crazy? That sounds terrifying. Sorry. Yeah, it did. But, but I mean, you know, I mean, there are obviously elements, but, and he ended up playing more piano later. Um, but that, that's, that's kind of my story. I come from a, 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 a family where my father was a musician. My brother's a drummer has, my brother, Freddie has his, his uh, doctorate from Northwestern in classical percussion. Oh, and, uh, so, and he's a great drummer. Um, so I come from a family of musicians and, you know, I, I ended up doing my undergrad at Kent state university, um, had a great mentor there, uh, Chaz Baker, uh, oh, a great yeah. writer and arranger. He was my teacher at the time. And, and I studied with people like, uh, John Clayman in particular was my first, you know, real jazz teacher. And uh, that that's kind of the beginning part of the story. I, I, I was and I talk to this with my students all the time. It's like, you know, you can work when you're an undergrad, man. I mean, I was gigging. There used to be a group, um, Dennis Reynolds. Now Dennis has that Jazz Heritage Orchestra, but he mm-hmm. had a band back in the day. I mean, we're talking 30 plus years ago called the the um, the Jazz um, Jazz Revival Orchestra. And um it was uh, a lot like Kenny Davis was in the band and cats like Pat Halloran back in the day. And um, Kent Englehart played in the band. And so that was like my first real gig, you know, playing as an undergrad. So I played gigs, played weddings, um, you know, uh, taught private taught at a couple of different schools um, and stores. Um, and, and, and really that was kind of my upbringing in Northeast Ohio was, 
working as a musician and teaching as a musician and playing as a musician. Um, I don't know how far you want to go, man. You know. Oh no, no. I mean, like that's a, that's it's. Yeah. Some people go like really far. Some people could, like just like kind of blanket statement it. But it's interesting because like you you live kind of where you're from. You're from Northeast Ohio too, right? Yeah, yeah. And and you know, we I'm sure we'll get into the New York City days and and how that influenced me um because that, you know, really changed who I was and, and even when I moved back. But you know, both my wife are, and I are from here, so we were always going to make our home here at some point because I'm from Northeast Ohio and I care about the scene here and care about, you know, helping the scene move forward. So Yeah, so um we we met because uh, you were like um, a professor at Kent State University. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I didn't know you were from Northeast Ohio. I'm just very used to people being from somewhere else and then teaching at the university where they happen <laughs> yeah. to get a job. Exactly. So it must be like really, really cool to be able to not only like teach where you went, but teach where you went and it's in the community where you're from. So like directly impacting the lineage of what is happening around you. Man, I'm telling you, it, 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 you know, there is such thing as luck, man. You know, it was a lucky thing because I, as you, as I know, you know, and so many musicians know how, you know, it, it's so hard to survive just as a musician today. I mean, everybody teaches quite honestly, even, even some of the biggest names you wouldn't even think of teach, Yeah, you know, because, you know, teaching is a, is an extension of being a musician, you know, and, and, and that's a whole nother discussion. But the point is, is that, for me, teaching was always part of what I did. And to have that gig open up at the time it opened up uh, and how it opened up for me was uh, really kind of uncanny, to be honest. You know, to be able to have a full-time college position open up in your hometown yeah. that, that is, you know, has a, has a program that you get to create – and but you know people that teach there they want you there i mean it, it was really kind of all these these things lined up and it was it was it was really kind of weird but but really fortunate for us so in your like time right before that was that when you were still in new york did you come back like around the same time as the job or were you back for a bit beforehand man that's a that's a good question um you know i had actually been back from new york for a little while we were back um, really kind of around the beginning of 2000 and all my saying, I had actually been teaching quite a bit before that. Um, mm-hmm. So I did a lot of uh, private teaching and part-time college work. Quite honestly, man, you know, uh, 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 like about 20 years of, believe it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Before the Kent State gig came up. And so you know, Kent, the Kent State gig was really my first full-time college teaching gig. Up to that point, I had done done part-time teaching at pretty much every school, the Tri-C's, um, uh, Akron, Cleveland State, um, even at Kent State, CIM. Yeah. Um, so oh, man, I, I so like done, every Northeast Ohio school, basically. Just about every school, yeah. <laughs> I had done some, some part-time college teaching, and then I was, you know, private teaching five days a week, and, you know, and then, and then you know, playing full time on top of that. So, <laughs> so a busy schedule. Yeah. I mean, like, I feel like when we were just talking about this before we started, but it's just like a busy life 
in general. Uh, one of the questions I ask a lot is like, what does your typical day look like? And I'm learning. That's just a silly question to ask musicians. They're like, I don't have a typical day. Every day is different. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, back then it was, it's, it's hard. It's a hard life, man, because, you know, for me at the time, everything I was doing was about being a musician. You know, I just, you know, Stephen, when I look at somebody like yourself, I, I, I can, I understand, I admire, I want to help. I, I, I see the amount of energy that goes into producing records, putting tours together, playing full time, because not everybody does that. First yeah, true. And um, the cats that do do that, but then teach in some way or another also and have all these other things to do, it is exhausting it's it's rewarding but it's it's exhausting and that that's how my days were like you know before the full-time kent gig i mean it's not that they're different it's just that i have one gig as opposed to three i mean i was yeah you know but i i did my i mean i have 11 records out as a leader uh the first three were self-produced and like literally back in the day when i had i'm digressing but that's what this is about um (laughs) You know, back back in the day when I had a uh, Harman Kardon uh, dual CD burner, right? And so I got the mastered copy, and I would burn my own CDs. Oh, my gosh. You even and did then, the duplication. And then, yeah, and then I, I bought, like, just plastic cases. I had somebody do artwork, but then I would go to Kinko's and print up multiple copies of artwork. I would cut each individual thing myself. I would make each individual CD. And then I also bought like a shrink wrap thing and I shrink wrap them myself. And I, then I would send, I had probably back in the day, a list of whatever, whatever it is now, like 200 radio stations. I would, I would send out like 50 a week to radio stations. And I had my list of all the contacts and I would, call and you know hey can you play my record you know that's all just to produce a record i did all that by hand and then you know and then tours like what you're dealing with now is um you know it's like you go through it's like you have no money to do this but it's like (laughs) anyways and um you know you got to go through and it's okay well i want to do an east coast tour so i'm gonna play in cleveland i'm gonna play pittsburgh i'm gonna do philly I'm going to do Baltimore, D.C., New York, Boston. So that's the tour. So then you got to figure out what's the route. Mm -hmm. And it's like basically like having an an artist uh, manager in that. But you're doing all that work yourself. And those were my days. And then recording the records, writing new music, rehearsing, playing gigs, uh, you know, practicing, you know, all those things that go into being a musician – all of that yourself. And then on top of that, then I was private teaching five days a week and part-time teaching at two colleges, you know? So those so, I mean, were my days. <laughs> I mean, like, I feel like those, those days, I, I, I empathize with those days because I have very similar days where, yeah. I mean, like I had my full-time uh, choir job and I kind of abused my planning period to do all that. Like, uh, uh, so like I stay up late and my, and luckily it, this is not actually a lucky thing, but luckily Kelly's just as much of a workaholic and we don't have kids. So like we, we both just tackle well, we these had projects. A kid, by the way, on top of yeah, all that. Right, Maybe. exactly. I'm like, you have a, you have, you have a son. So like throughout all this, uh, we're, we'll both just be sitting on the couch 
kind of watching something and like all the work you're doing like especially in 2000 had to be done over the phone like yep. like and by hand a lot of the stuff i'm like i can do at the computer so mm-hmm. I, I i have the luxury of that but i respect the i i i see the hustle and i respect the hustle because like yeah. it's just like a lot of what does a typical day look like i was like i'm just trying to get all i can done before i go to sleep and wake up and do it again there you go man it's a little different today and we can talk about that i mean it's changed like when i started putting records out on on labels you know the record labels started doing a lot of that work so uh and 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 there were different kinds of things you know uh i mean the the there were different things the the record labels offered on the various labels i've been on but you know, that work started getting taken over, which all that meant for me was that gave me more creative activities time, you know, uh, you know, more focusing on the kinds of music, you know, starting to write larger ensemble things, starting to get into new, pro- you know, instead of having one, see, that's the thing. Instead of having one project, I mean, now I have 10 projects, you know, that yeah. I do at various times and some of them are active projects. Some of them are projects I pull out. And that could be an interesting discussion, just to all the various types of projects. But I'll keep digressing. I want to keep. It <laughs> no, no. I mean, like, actually, I, let's dive into that because that's something I'm also yeah. interested in as well. I like. I think my whole artistic goal is I want like to have experience in like as many facets as I feel are appropriate for me at the time. So like right. that, I'm not like kind of doing half butt, but you know, like I'm, oh, yeah. I'm really like learning about and 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 playing so like the octet thing for me was getting back into that mid-size ensemble after spending yep. so much time in big band and then the the qu- i have this electronic quintet that i had written mm-hmm. before and we did a, uh, a little recording of that's going to come out later this year and like i just respect that when people have and a lot of musicians that i admire just had different projects it wasn't the the same thing yeah over and over and there's something to be said about doing the same thing over and over because then you really get it i mean like it's not that you don't if you spread yourself out but it's just like a different approach to making music so like when you have these different projects like are you like more of a seasons guy where like it's a season for the hendek tet it's a season for uh the like a quintet or like yeah like what's your yeah you know I mean, that's a good question. It's, um, it's not seasons. It's more of, and, and that's a valid point, the idea of um, having a project that you know really well. And I, I, I really feel all my projects are that way because what I do yeah. is I kind of, I, I again, when I got to that point where I had more time to think about multiple projects, it's not like I'm just doing multiple projects all the time. It's usually oh, no. creating a project, living <laughs> with it, and then, and then adding another project, living with it, then coming back to one, then moving to another one. You know, I will say when I when I moved back from New York uh, and again, we're late 90s, 2000 um, is um, I I was writing a lot of music because I was writing a lot of music in New York. But everything in New York was small group stuff, mostly just because, you know, I mean, we, we were just scuffling by to live and eat, you know, yeah. <laughs> let alone anything else. And so I, I couldn't do any large ensemble stuff in New York just just from pure financial reasons. And so all my stuff was small, small group. And I'd still to this day, obviously a lot of things that I do and a lot of records I have done have been kinds of small group record records, trio, quartet, quintet. Right. Mm-hmm. But like on top of that, um, I mean, I'll just go through my projects and then I'll kind of explain a couple of them, but cool. I mean, I have, <clears throat> I have, um, 
you know, small group stuff, again, trio to quintet records uh, and various versions of that. Like I, I would call those my acoustic jazz projects. Yeah, cool. So I like that. Acoustic yeah. Jazz, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then I the, the first project other than that, I did come back from New York is I had my octet, Red Rhinoceros, that I know you've you've heard of. And, you yeah. know, that was back in the day when Sean Jones was at Youngstown, you know what I mean? Like, and he was, Sean was just in town cause he was doing stuff with, with Theron and Chris at Akron. And we had a chance to sit down and, and catch up a bit. And cause we go back 30 plus years and, you know, him being a student and, and coming and playing the gigs. And that was a band that we, we did a couple years worth of stuff, never recorded that music, but a couple years of stuff. But that was one of my first large ensemble records. And then from there it was, um, I have a specific trio with a couple good friends, Ashley Summers and Chris Baker called, called the flow trio. Um, and then I created my grassroots movement band. You mentioned electric things. So that's like my f- electric fusion kind of band. Okay. That, that first grassroots record, I used a couple New York cats near Felder on guitar, yeah. and dude, and, and Frank LaCrasto on keys and then Kip Reed and James Johnson. Um, and then, um, you know, and then from there I had, uh, a group, it wasn't mine, but we were all co-leaders, this group out of Pittsburgh called the Murray Ave Jazz Initiative, which was another octet where I first met James Johnson and, 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 uh, oh, cool. some Pittsburgh cats. Um, and then from there it's, um, you know, I have my, which I haven't done a lot with mostly again, just logistical reasons, my transcendental uh, orchestra, which is that record I did with jazz quartet and string quintet percussion mm-hmm. and voice. And that was two records ago. And then I have the, the Hendek Tet, the 11 piece group that I'm now just getting to recording this music that, that actually has been around probably for a decade. And I've got a lot of music for that. Uh, but I'm just getting around recording it. And then I have a couple new projects. I have like my pop music project, which is with a couple Pittsburgh guys, John Shannon on guitar and James Johnson on drums and Kip Reed on bass. And we do all arrangements of pop tunes, right? Everything from Stevie Wonder to um, uh, Tears for Fears, you know what I mean? And everything. Yeah, I, I mean. It's not to interrupt, but I think uh, the Stevie Wonder uh, arrangement that you have of is, well, it, is it she lovely? Higher ground. Yeah. Higher ground. You That's play on that on one of my gigs. Records. Yeah. yeah, you play that on one of my gigs uh, as because you, uh, you Dustin put together a quartet. And yes, you guys, like open the yeah. octet like years ago. This is like one of oct- yeah. the octet's first gig, I think. And you guys opened for it, and you guys are playing. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to follow this arrangement. This is so cool. I was yeah, like, no, I mean, out. I love because, that arrangement. Isn't that fun, man? Yeah, yeah, it's so fun. And so now I've done arrangements of pop tunes on records, like the last live from the Bob Stop record we did, the, uh, uh, beat the Beatles Blackbird. And so I've done stuff like that, but this project is literally all of that. All and pop it, tunes, it's yeah. Really hip. And then I have this other new project, which I. It's a lame name. I'm not sure what the paintings project. My my paintings project. Yeah, Yeah. and that's really hip. I mean, it's like I, I, you know, man, Stephen. I know you get this, and and others that do what we do will get this. It's like I have more music than I have the capability of recording. Yeah, I probably. I swear to you, man. I probably have five or six projects I could literally go into the studio tomorrow with. I have the music. I have bands. I have. I just. I can only record one thing at a time, man. And yeah. so, but anyway, so to that point, you know, that's, you know, I don't know, eight, nine, 10 projects. And so, 
um, that's a lot, you know, and it's a lot of music, all music I write, all music I arrange and orchestrate. And besides that, I mean, I've written a lot of big band and large ensemble music and that I want to record. And, you know, man, I need, I need like three lifetimes, man, to get to recording all this music. (laughs) So like that, it's always really funny when people like, when, no, it's not funny when people pass, but there's this funny instance that when someone passes away and then they go into like their archives or like their like wherever they keep all their creative yeah. work, the people are astounded. They're like, "There's so much more music," and you're like, "You think that's all they wrote? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like the records that they, you know, how much stuff people have to write to get to the stuff that they put out? Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's not even that. We're like around that. Like, we have to just choose what we can. Even people who have like backing and like label stuff probably yeah. works so i mean like like taylor swift how many songs has she written before she like wrote did their did a, an album yeah you know, like so it, it's just really funny because uh the non-musicians will be like oh my gosh there's just so much more music there's you know, just like, so yeah. much more music it's crazy and and for me you know it's like most of my records have been small group because i've i mostly self-fund my records you know right. and, and that's actually an interesting process that I wouldn't mind talking about too for young musicians, but you know, to, to, as you know, you know, raising money to do large ensemble records is not easy, man. It's not easy. First of all, grants are few and far between. It depends on where you live, what state you're in, what mm-hmm. things are available, how much money they give out. I mean, I'm very fortunate for this 11 piece thing that, you know, Kent state has a program for non tenure track faculty. It's like a professional development grant that, is specifically for the NTT faculty like myself. And I was very thankful and and gracious that I was awarded 15 grand to finish this 11 piece. But just throwing that number out there, as you know, $1,000, man. And it's like, we already have two of the six tunes recorded, you know, man, it's like, it's so much money, man, to like do large ensemble stuff. That's why cats aren't putting out large ensemble records every other week, man. It's, it's, no. it doesn't work that way. You know, it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. when you get the, I'm trying to remember say, um, Sam Blakesley, who we both know, yeah. like when he sat down to do his uh, recording this past week, because he had the personnel and the, and like however money he did two at once. And like, yeah. to me, I was like, that makes so much sense just yeah. because you're like, we're all here. Let's do it. Like, boom, yeah. because and, it's just and, so expensive. And to that point, I mean, I was a part of the, you know, and still play when he's in town with the the original large group, right? When we yeah. had that residency at Blue Jazz, how long was that around? Uh, and how long? Like my, it's several years, a decade. And the point is, is that he's just now getting to record that music. Yeah, like that's the thing that people don't understand. It's like, well, why don't you just go record that music? Well, because it's a it's a big band. How how am I going to pay all the cats? I got to pay the student, you know? So, so it, this is, this is why we're not putting out records every other day. I mean, which, which leads to a whole nother discussion. That's why cats so much today are doing singles and doing this and putting out individual tunes and then eventually putting records together. I mean, it's, it's such a whole process that, that is, is very deep. That's so little, there's people inside the the business that that don't lead things that don't understand what we have to do let alone the people outside of it that it's just it's it's mind-boggling how much that goes into just recording a record you know yeah i mean like it's a it's 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 a process that i am starting i mean because i've only 
I, I count my first one, but it was graduate school. I got a grant and I paid everyone very, very little compared. So like it's it's uh, like I have my second like adult record and it's still a process that just is astounding each time. And you learn something new every single time. So I was just like, for people looking on the outside, I think it's just like, Oh, it just happens. Right. And you're like, no man. Like it's like a year out. You're like at least freaking out a tiny bit, but like, it's yeah it's it's just it's a whole thing we were just talking about that because like you know we're we like the recording date is set for the 11 piece thing it's september 2nd but it's like september 2nd is like tomorrow we were literally using the words earlier man it's like tomorrow tomorrow. and because it's like so first of all i have to rework one of the pieces i have to set up rehearsal times i have to uh, make sure that the the studio is all set that, you know, that, that because it's a large ensemble record, I know the guy that's going to engineer it and he wants to come check out the rehearsals. So, so he can help prep himself for the recording. Um, th- there's all this, this, you know, printing up parts, making sure everybody has this, um, um, putting the money together, making sure everybody, when are they getting paid, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's, it's just so much yeah it's like you're and you're wearing like 30 different hats while you do yep. it especially as the band leader so like i've never had uh oh no sorry not, never I, I haven't been in a long time uh in the studio as a side person i've only been a side person on two records i was a composer on one record and these are all during grad school so it was just mm-hmm. like a lot less like a lot of people are just doing it for free like you know it's mm-hmm. not it's like so to, to to do it as an adult or to like be a part of this process as the band leader. And then I just want to be a part of that process and not be the band leader once. <laughs> just like show, like be like, here's my dates and then wait for an email back. <laughs> not like I, not that I, uh, unappreciative of like all the musicianship that all my friends give to these projects. So like, including you, who's going to be playing with me soon. It's just like, it'd be really nice to be a side man. Like just like once or twice. <laughs> You're looking for a tenor side, man. I promise I'll practice. Like, I, dude, I'm the same way, man. I mean, I've been I've I've been doing this a long time because I'm obviously a bit older, um, and I've been a side man a bit. But it's I'm I mostly what I've done is as a band leader, and mostly because I like that. I mean, I write music, I have projects, things that I want to do, so I want to be a band leader. Yeah, right, man. All the the I I did a. A, a couple large ensemble records with friends of mine, some North Texas musicians that are now out in the world teaching and playing these bi-coastal collective records that I've been a part of. One of the first one was a tentet, and then the other large ensemble project of that they did was a big band. We recorded one out in in, in California at San Jose, and the other one uh, in, in Dallas and Texas. And uh, man, it was really cool to those large ensemble records to be a side man to like really not only just because of the, that it's easier, but like to, to dig into other people's music actually inspires me, man. Yeah. I mean, d- 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 that's why I enjoy doing your project so much. The octet stuff and being on the big band record and doing different things is that it's, it's inspires me too, as a musician to do other people's projects because you're hearing what they're doing. You're seeing their creative process and, it, and it's, it's an inspiring thing. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I I don't get, and because I'm not a sideman, I feel like I get the the surface level of that when I just go hear people's stuff. But, like, I don't get to dig into it as much unless I'm transcribing it. But, like, it's just really 
that's the part of the process I also enjoy. Like when I get to go, especially if I play at a, a place where there's multiple performances in one night. So like, uh, for example, back in September when uh, the Rubber City Jazz Fest happened mm-hmm. and I, I got to catch your group, I got to catch Jonathan Barber. I can't remember who else I saw that night um, afterwards, but I was like amped because I was like, I just got to play my music and I got to hear other people's yep. music. And it's just like yep. the same 12 notes and the same like four <laughs> bars of time sometimes, but like all the things that can happen in that time. It's like, ah, oh, this is this is the best thing in the world. It's, it's like we crazy. take the same six colors and uh, make different rainbows. Yeah, it's like yeah, great. yeah, yeah. I tell my students that all the time, man. You know, it's like you know, listen, man. There's 12 notes. <laughs> what are you gonna do with those 12 notes? Now, show me what you can do. Yeah, you know, it's it it is actually pretty crazy when you think about it. Lawsuits that have been happening uh, with yeah. uh, with uh, what's his face? I can't remember. Yeah, the one that just Ed, Ed or something. Ed Sheeran and um, yeah. up the party. I can't remember his name right now. I took a class, by the way, uh, uh, at Manhattan School about that very thing about like copyright infringement. Yeah. I was just like, one, I can't. His estate got away with it the first time with the Robin Thick Marvin Gaye. There we go. Yeah, the Marvin Gaye estate. Got away with it the first time with Robin Thicke, and I was just like, "There's no way they should have won that lawsuit." Made no sense to me. No, and then they and then they tried it again with Ed Sheeran, and I'm just like, "There are so many things that are different about these two things, other than a harmonic progression that it right. just like throws all the 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 qualities of music out the window." And it's just yeah. like. It makes no sense to me because, like, there would be no pop music, man. If people were getting sued for stealing chord progressions, I mean, how yeah. how, how how are you going to steal Cat for stealing one three six two five? You know, yeah. My, yeah. Like, imagine if uh, someone was like, "I own the blues, <laughs> <laughs> I own the blues, I'm suing everybody I'm who made the blues." blues. <laughs> you know, <laughs> how'd you become a billionaire? I uh, I got ten dollars from everyone who made a blues. Who made the so, blues? Yeah. <laughs> So I became a billionaire that way. I just, billionaire. Right. Yeah. It's like, it makes it, it made absolutely uh, no sense to me because there's just like, there's so much, we can even have like the same starting canvas. Like, have you ever been to one of those paint nights before? Oh yeah. 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 Like, and they, and they start the thing for you and you just finish it off. Yep. We, we could even do that. And it's mm-hmm. just going to end up so different because we're like, like right. when you give a kid an assignment, like in your, like, do you teach your uh, jazz arranging class at? Uh, I do. That's actually one of multiple classes I teach the jazz comp and arranging class. Yep. Yeah. So like, uh, like one of the ones that Dave gave us at Youngstown State was just like, yeah, we had a blues one, and then we had mm-hmm. one where he gave us the first chord, mm-hmm. 
and the first three notes in rhythm. Mm-hmm. And, and but it's a a, a thirty two bar chart. He's like, yep. all right, so write this thirty two bar head. But here's it's in E flat. Here's the first uh, motive, yep. and just keep going. And all of our tunes just sounded so completely different, completely different. I do a very similar. Ex- I mean, I'm sure a lot of cats do very similar exercises. Yeah, yeah. So I, do, I do an exercise, especially with students. I mean, I gauge it depending on the type of student I have. Some are are very, very new to composing, mm-hmm. um, and they all they've taken are the the jazz classes that precede this class. And so I'll even ones that have not really written much at all is I'll take I'll take like a Great American Songbook tune and everything but the notes of the melody. I I, I tell them they have to use the chord progression, the form, and the rhythms. And write a new melody. Oh, students that like are right. Did you dig? Yeah. And and that's for students that that to kind of expedite the process of how to get to that point. But my my point to that is to what you just said is that it they're all so different. They're still different. Yeah. So I'm just imagining like yeah, taking there will never be another you and just like different notes but it's just different you know like crazy yeah and it's just gonna sound different yeah yeah especially to someone who's like like not well like you know when you hear someone blowing over changes and you're like oh this will never be another you and like and someone's like what and you're like yeah it's the changes right like but like imagine someone who doesn't do that and they're like it's a completely different song to them so it's like yeah, I mean, that's the cool part about music is that we can take all these standard progressions and and, and just make something completely sta- and then change the pro- just like just slight just mess it up a little bit and then get something completely different. So it's it's yep. cool that it's cool that we have that as a basis of our creative process, and then based on what the what project before it's for, what instrumentation it's for, it like then changes. Imagine like that tune that 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 new tune that your students created and then they all get a completely different instrumentation yeah right yeah yeah it's it is it's it's pretty cool that's the part of of teaching that i just adore is even something as simple as that that uh, uh to see the cre- the creative activity of this student that's never done it before and then quite honestly for me for them to just they get done with it and they hear it and they go like it just it it blows them away that they created this thing and like for us it's like you know that's nothing but like for them it's everything it's like the begin. it's like i don't know it's like when you see a little baby and they're doing something for the first time and they're just like so happy and you're happy with them like all my friends we don't have kids but all my friends are having kids and we get to see them like develop and stuff and every Mm -hmm. time we see them they can do something new and they're like super excited about it so it's like the students in that same learning process they're in their like their toddler stage of of music where they're like they can do they have a lot of facility and they can do these things but they're still so spongy and like right. are just learning all these new skills i'm i'm in that 9 12 part of it so like trying to get kids to come out of their like microculture of their household or their community and being like hey you know there's a lot more music in the world blah, blah. If, if they're if their household's not like that because a, a lot of right. households are like you know we listen to the music of like our household and then maybe our friends expose us to music and that's about it. But then once they get out of that and just start listening to more music, it's like, Whoa, there's so much more out there. Cause I wish someone would have did that with me when I was 19 or like 16. And then when we, they get to you, it's like, okay, but you can also be a part of that part of the process. 
Oh, without a doubt. You know, what's interesting is, is that, you know, I, I also teach the, uh, you know, speaking of like that, that aspect of, of education, I also teach the jazz techniques and literature class at Kent State, which is actually a music ed class. It's not yeah. part of my jazz program, right? You're, I know you're hip to it. And, uh, you know, what I tell them all the time is no matter what you mean, you're going to learn techniques, you're going to learn this, you're going to learn that, is that you have to expose them to the things that they don't know, right? Yeah. You know, and um, because like they're all coming in, all these kids at the collegiate level, like all they've done is band, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it be marching band, whether it be pep band, whether it be concert band, whatever, they just know band music. They just know band. Let alone, and and then they may know the popular music of the day that they listen to, but very few of them know older popular music. Know extensive like like more modern, new classical music, and know nothing about world music and jazz music. Like yeah, like what they know is such a small, finite little thing, and so what I try to get them to understand, even though it's a jazz techniques class is how important it is to, to open the scope of what you are showing these kids, because, because as we know, it's so important for many reasons, let alone musically, it's important culturally, man. It's important socially. It's important, you know, um, to learn. I mean, jazz is important, especially for, for band kids that it's important because it's black American music, man. That's the whole traditions of it. And some of these kids don't even know what that means. Like they don't even know what, what, you know, it means black American music because, you know, concert bands, so little of what they do is, you know, know, black music. Right. um, You know, and so getting them to understand that there's this whole world and you have to pass it on to them from day one man and if you do that you're just opening everybody's eyes up to this world uh, uh that is just such a rich and, and big world that they'll understand all these other kinds of music but anyway. yeah it's just like interesting i feel like that that responsibility really really lies importantly in in early education like early music education like i love my wife's approach to music education because she loves to do like cultural dances and she loves to make sure that like, she's not just teaching like small children's songs, but like getting them their ears open to as much music as possible and getting them digging into as much music as possible by the second grade. So that they're inquisitive about music in general. So it's like not necessarily, I I remember my approach to general music when I was uh, in in uh, elementary schools, like we learned a lot of patriotic songs. We learned a lot of like children's songs, like Anglican children's songs. And that was about it. Maybe some songs of the season about seasons and stuff, but like never any cult. We weren't going to do like an Iranian cultural dance and like listen to Iranian music in, in, in a class. And that's something that she does with her, like her, uh, kindergarten through second grade uh they have like whole entire dance days where all they do is learn cultural dances to end with music um and talk about the instruments that they're hearing and and like it's just really important to make people inquisitive about things from an early age but like even if that didn't happen to still like encourage people like their their inquisitive nature or encourage them to be inquisitive because if not then they're they're just kind of stuck where they are 
Well, I mean, if they want to get to where we're at, the types of things that we're doing, you have to be that way. Yeah. Like, we don't have a choice. I mean, I mean, I guess we have a choice. I shouldn't say we don't have a choice. Um, everybody has a choice. I, what I what I mean is, is that if you want to be a creative uh, composer, if you want to be somebody that's doing creative activities from a music standpoint, you have to be that way. Because otherwise, man, think of all the music you wrote. Like, I... Uh, for me, I, I think of uh, over a 30 plus year career of composing music that I probably would have gotten through 10% of all of that if I did not open up my ears to other sounds. And, yeah. you know, man, and it's like the, the the whole idea of creative activities is getting to that point of of composing, not, not just yourself, but like composing your experiences, composing your life. I don't, I don't compose music just because I just want to write something to me. My composing process is related to everything we've been talking about. Like I'm composing experiences. I'm composing, um, you know, uh, uh, my, my life and what my life has meant to me and the, the experiences in my life, everything from having a kid to living in New York, the traveling overseas to, to, uh, uh, whatever, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so without all of that types of stuff, I, I probably would not have gotten past about 10% of the stuff I've written. I mean, or even if there's a body, uh, like, uh, like, a like a quantity, the, the quality is also, there as well where the 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 depth of quality or the broadness of of the quality i love when i turn on someone's music and it's it's them but it's not the same them all the time especially out i've i've heard so many people get really really mad at (laughs) a a artist or a band that they like for changing and it makes no sense to me i've never understood that where it's like oh man that sounds really cool and it's just like different <laughs> it's like oh, it's, <laughs> my cat has a you, <laughs> like yeah. your dog's like my dog's louder than your cat my cat have you heard my cat like scr- I scratching did, up yeah. the actually yeah i was crying out she's yeah. like she's like let me in uh other i think if you've listened to multiple episodes of this listeners uh you've heard lady trying to barge into this thing because she has attachment issues to her favorite favorite dad um yeah i mean like every artist that i admire regardless of what like made up genre they play um has had this inquisitive nature and has had multiple types of things that they do either on one release or through multiple projects and it's just like if you like that in this one artist then you should like that in like a lot of different things so just like Yes. Like expanding your, I mean, like, I feel like that's one thing that you could pass on to your next generation, just even passively through just like, Hey, let's sit down and listen to stuff. I like like, that. When you said made up uh, genre, that was really funny. Yeah. It's just really frustrating. Cause it's like, yeah, it's, 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 it is frustrating. It's not a new thing, man. This is new. I mean, this has been a debate since, since jazz began. I mean, what is, what does jazz even mean? You know, yada, yada. I mean, it's crazy. So it's like I try and get you <laughs> I try and get you in the area of what a people I admire do by saying that word but then like at the same time like was I wasn't thinking bebop when I was like writing party song you know like so <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's not like, at all. yeah not at all like so it's it's just like 
I really appreciate when people like you or any other musician I admire are just like, I'm making music and I like other people's music and I'm doing projects. It's, it's, it's really cool. It is cool. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Outside of music, because we, I try and like have some part of it. Yeah, we're digressing a little bit. <laughs> I don't even know if I've asked a question. I think we've. I know, isn't that crazy? We've just been done. Thinking of, I was like, have I asked a question recently? Yeah. Um, outside of uh, music, like, what do you like? What is Bobby outside of? Because we spend a lot of our time in music, uh, yeah. but like, what are the things that we enjoy outside of music that make? that inform our musical experience or just inform our life in general. Like right now I see you wearing something that I associate you with oh. a whole bunch. I associate okay. you with the Cleveland guardians like yeah. very much. So, uh, so it's like uh, baseball could be one of those things, but what is, what is Bobby? I mean, a lot of things. Um, I mean, the fir- first and foremost, I would say family, you know, mm-hmm. it's yeah. I, people ask me all the time. It's like, you know, you, you, uh, younger musicians. All right. So you, you were married. When were you married? Did that interfere with your music? Man, you have a kid. How did you do that? This or that. And when people associate those things with not being able to get work done, I think for me, it's been the complete opposite. Like, I don't understand it. Like, for example, you know, if it wasn't for my wife, I probably would not have gotten done half of what I've gotten done. Yeah. Like her support and her her everything of just being able to be there has helped centered me in a way that's allowed me to do the things I've done. And um and then and then my my kid Julian, you know, um it's funny, you know, I, I've I've gotten more done in my life since he's been born, <laughs> since <laughs> he was born, you know, and I was 30, you know, when I when I had him. So um and uh, he just turned 24 not that long ago. So um, so it's not I mean, it's not like I was a 20 year old out of school and it's not like I didn't do anything. But like at 30 and he was born is since then, as I've done all these records and all the tours I've done and, and the, you know, 100 tours and 11 records and all these things and blah, 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 blah all of that after he was born. And it, it, that was another thing. And I used the word centered, like it helped center me, you know, and it was uh, inspirational, you know, that to me, I value experiences because without experiences, how do we create art? Like you can't create art in a void. I, I mean, I mean, if you look at the creative activities of any type of job, you can't do that, but most, especially in the arts, you have to have experiences. And so to me, you know, those musicians that think you have to just 
sit in a practice room for 20 hours and then you go to the gig and then you hang out for a little bit afterwards and you go home and you do the same thing. There aren't experiences there. Right. Um, Other than playing, but I mean, it's like, it's kind of like, it's it's the same experience. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so my family first is, is who I am and the experiences that have, have brought me to where I am as a musician. I mean, sports, I mean, I love sports, man, because first of all, there's a lot of correlations between being a performing artist and a performing athlete, right? Yeah. You know, physical things, uh, uh, you know, just, you know, we, we talk about endurance, we talk about being physical, we, uh, speaking of musicians, you know, we talk about being healthy, uh, we talk about taking care of ourselves, we talk about being in the zone, we talk, you know, there's a lot of correlations, and I've had conversations with this with some of the best, you know, Wynton Marsalis, you know, uh, 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 Kenny Werner, uh, Lovano, others, where it's like just, you know, being, being um, you know, uh, 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 doing things like, like sports outside of music is such an important thing. And, and for me in particular, I mean, for, I, I actually wanted to be a baseball player. So that was – Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was, wow. I was pretty good, man. I had, yeah. I, had, I had the last year I played – in in high school, I had colleges scouting a little bit and all that, and I just for some reason just the music kind of took over and I stopped doing that. But I wanted to play ball. I was actually really good, and um, um, so that's why baseball. I have an affinity for baseball. But um, you know, I just man going going and seeing a game and sitting out and hanging out with people and watching what they do. They're like I'm a process person. I'm, I'm trying to find how how I can correlate it. But like I'm a process person, and I I enjoy seeing the process that athletes go through because for me at least I see a relationship between that and the process I go through as a practicing musician. The muscle memory, the the you know, uh, uh, like, uh, I, t- I tell all my students all the time in my improv class is like, so with baseball, there's a thing they say all the time, right? See the ball, hit the ball. Right. Mm-hmm. And so in music, in my improv class, I say, I, I, my, I correlate that to music. I say, hear it, play it. Yeah. And so to me, everything is about hearing music and, and if you can hear it, you can play it. That's it. You know, you got to get to the everybody's got to do the facility work, just like a, a baseball player has to do the facility work of timing and how you hold the bat and in and, and angle uh, angle of the swing. And depending on where you're trying to hit the ball, you know, et cetera. And so, you know, for me, it's all the, the logistical kind of um, work of, um, you know, uh, of the facility of it is one thing, but it's it's hear it, play it. And so. I just like that correlation between that and baseball where you, you know, see the ball, hit the ball. So um, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, I mean, I love nature. We hike quite a bit. Oh, no, um, cool. You know, and, and as you know, man, Northeast Ohio, we have, we have some of the best uh, hiking and trails and nat parks in, in the country. I mean, I, I, as a matter of fact, I think, I think Northeast Ohio or Ohio in general is ranked like, top in the nation when it came to like national parks and stuff like that. And so, you know, those experiences bring into music. So I love nature and getting out. Um, and, and I guess those are kind of the things for me, man. I'll be honest. Here's another one. I love working around my house, man. You know, yeah. I love having a house. 
I love, you know, I'm getting ready to re rework and reset and expand my patio out back. And I, I'm like looking forward to that, like just the physicalness of working and doing it, but like, you know, just setting it. And then when it's done, like having something there that we can enjoy and that we can have our downtime and, you know, kind of relax with friends and family and, um, you I'm know, trying to remember. I think there was something like your was it your basement that you redid like right before the pandemic? Or? Well, I did it during the pandemic. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and I was just like, like oh, I loved it, man, I loved doing that. So because to me that's like creative activities, but that's like me bringing me. It's so it's like it's like playing. Um, you know, I like to think that I have a, a, a slightly unique voice and what I do as a player, as a writer, and all of that, and. That's because I'm I'm taking something that a lot of people do, but I'm bringing my thing to it. When I was working on my basement, it's the same thing. I'm just laying carpet. I'm just putting stuff out, but I'm bringing me to that. And, you know, it's a space that I can go to. But, yeah, we we uh, we moved the week that the world was shutting down. And uh, I basically spent that whole first year when we couldn't do anything and teaching from home and not leaving the house uh, basically redoing my basement. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I, we, we have a house and I want to re I, we are, have been debating with like moving and all this stuff. And I, our walls are, I go into other people's houses and they've like done all this stuff. And I keep feeling like I should do the same stuff. <laughs> uh, like our walls, every wall is still the same color as when we moved in. Uh, yeah. And like, yeah. And like, I feel like when I walk into my friend's houses and the first thing they did, uh, Alex, you remember Alex, the piano player from the, oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Alex and his wife got a house uh, in Greensburg. Uh, Cause she's from the same town that I went to undergrad in. And so we went and visited and like, we're like, Oh my gosh, the painting is beautiful. It's like, yeah, we did it before we moved in. I'm like, what an idea. Yep. My God, I should have thought of that. (laughs) Well, I did my basement. My wife was painting the house. So, you know, all our rooms have different vibes and, you know, it's blue in here. It's red in the the living room. And uh, so, yeah, we did that too, basically. Yeah. Yeah, Where are you at right now? Your kitchen? I'm in my kitchen now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Okay. I was like, I feel like I see an appliance behind you. Yes. Yeah. I'm in my kitchen now. So, um, so, uh, just like to, to wrap up, if there was, um, any advice that you give to someone who wants to do what you do, they, uh, check out your music, they study with you at, uh, Kent state or they're in the area or just like in the aural space, uh, and want to do what you do, what advice would you give them like to get their start or to like start their process? Yeah, that's a, that's a great, I, I, I saw that question and that that's such a loaded question, but I'm right. <laughs> simple. Is that, I mean, Listen, man, you you have to decide very early on what you want to do. And and I'll keep this just in the realm since we both, you know, generically do jazz music. And, you know, that's <laughs> our, our, our genre that we kind of associate ourselves with and our music is jazz. I'll, I'll keep it within that realm and not look holistically arts wise. But is that there's so much you can do. You know, if people want to do what I do, first of all, I define to them what I do. And and it's it can be scary. I mean, you know, I mean, you're dealing with that, too. It's incredibly scary. So you got to define what it is you want to be. 
That's the first thing. And, and, and that, that's hard to define as a young person, but you want to have a general idea of what you want to do, because just saying, I want to do what you do. Well, I'm, I do a lot of things, you know, what does that mean? What aspect? I mean, everything I do. So then I go through everything that I'm, I've done in my life. So that's the first thing is have a good definition of what you want to do. Cause not everybody wants to be a band leader. So yeah, right. keep being a side man, that's really important to understand, man, because there's there's such different animals and both have very specific things that you have to uh be to be good at both things the other thing is 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 how dedicated you have to be you are doing something that the vast majority of society doesn't know about doesn't care about doesn't like and i mean right i mean i'm not yeah. saying anything new yeah, right <laughs> right what we we still under three percent of record sales when it comes to jazz right i mean uh, you know, that's nothing new. Um, and, and, and I'm not trying to be like dark about it, but I mean, you know, generally speaking, people don't we're, what we do, what I do, what you do, Stephen, is we do new original music in a jazz world. That's probably the least popular kind of jazz. <laughs> not yeah. only is jazz not popular, popular. But we do the least, least popular, popular right? <laughs> in jazz music. Think of that. Yeah. So if you're, it, you've got to be dedicated, you have to be dedicated and, and understand what that means. Like, you're not going to make a lot of money up front unless, you know, extenuating circumstances gives you that money, but you're not making money from this. You are doing this strictly because of the love of creating something. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is, um, and, and I know this is a tough one for for some people, and it's not an absolute answer. But you got to have your stuff together, right? I mean, you, you got to have your stuff together. I mean, I know there are people that are successful out there um, that aren't necessarily great at what they do. But but even even if I would say, eh, you know, man, there are other cats I want to listen to. It doesn't mean that they don't have their stuff together. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like you got to have your stuff together. You you have to. Not it's not about being because when, when it was me and I was young, I remember people saying, um, you know, you have to be better than everybody else. That's kind of how they put that. I, I don't I don't like that as much. You don't have to be better than anybody else. You have to be the best version of yourself that you can possibly be. That's the phrase that's, I was thinking. That's the key is you have to be the best version of yourself that you can be. And you got to be unique. I, you know, there has to be a uniqueness to what you do. So you have to get together enough to be whatever you want to do. You have to be the best at that. Um, you know, you, you have to be the best at your music, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, and then there's just, there's just things that, that are, that are, that are obvious things, but it's like you, you, when, when people use the word drive, when people use the word, um, words like, uh, passion, when people use, uh, uh, you know, the, the concepts of you have to give your all every moment. I mean, that all that is true. There's no doubt that all that isn't true, but it's like, what, what is, you know, passion to me means that, you have something to say, and if you don't say it, then um, y- you you will not feel complete. And if you don't feel that way, then think about what you're doing. Yeah. Like, 
if I don't do the things that I do, I would not be complete. It doesn't mean I wouldn't survive. It doesn't mean that I couldn't move forward, but I would not be a complete person. And, and all of that goes into this idea of, do you have the drive? Do you have the ability? The other thing is, and this is more now into kind of the technical educational aspects of things is study business in some way or form. Yeah. Because I will say the one thing I did not get to do when I was an undergrad, first of all, I mean, I, I started my undergrad in the late eighties. I mean, how long had jazz even been in universities by that point, you know, right, not, not that long in the grand scheme of things. So let alone, um, a, a process of how to teach it, but like this idea of what are you going to be when you're done and how do you handle it from an entrepreneurial standpoint, those just weren't available to me, let alone, you know, um, uh, uh did I do them? Um, I had to learn everything by doing it, which is fine. That, that is a good way to learn. That is actually probably one of the better way to learn, but, but still take every possible class you can or be put yourself in a position to understand every aspect of business, let alone music business, to be successful at what you do. What are the trends? What are the ways that people are putting out music today versus how people and understand how people put out music when I did it, but understand how they did it and how understand how it's done today. Understand a whole process. So. Um, you know, the technical aspects of, of really studying the business side of music, uh, talk with musicians, network, all these things that are that are, you know, stereotypical kind of obvious things to talk about. They're that way because they're important. Yeah. Don't sit on your couch and wait for somebody to call you, man. You got to go to gigs. You got to meet people. You know, if there's I, I hear a lot today more than I ever have for whatever reason. And it's not even important, but like just how how much people, younger people today deal with anxiety, you know, uh, uh, or just being anxious and like, I can't talk with people. And it's like, well, you know, you, you need to find a way to find that balance of reaching out to people and making connections, but within a way that's comfortable for yourself, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, I, I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I feel like I'm giving just like basic answers that a lot of people would give, but that's why people would give those answers. Man. Right? No, I mean, like it makes sense that that that's one of the things that we that we talk about when we're like networking, and especially nowadays when I talk to my students, like there'll be days where a student will come into a rehearsal and they're like, "Can I just like." Can I just go over there? I'm having a down day, blah, 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 blah. And it's like we have to find a balance where we learn how to cope. It's not necessarily like that. You're, those issues exist and they are valid, but we mm-hmm. have to find a balance where we can function within those yes. issues because if not, then they're debilitating forever. Like it's we want right. to be able to have uh, a disability without being debilitated. Like right. it's 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 mental well, health. Is, is a whole thing. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, I'm, I, it, that's just, and, and and that's just the unfortunate reality of it. It's like you want to be conscious that people have things that they deal with, but like the world is not forgiving, mm-hmm. you know. And you know, if you want to do what we do, there is a balance that you have to figure out, and it can be on your terms. But you right. have to figure out that balance of how to still make it happen and do these things. Because if you don't do these things, it's you can still be successful in whatever else you do. It's just not going to be this. Yeah, I mean, I, I had this um, this uh, 
trio big band. I know that sounds weird, but it was like three band leaders uh, doing this big band the other month. Mm. Um, and it was just like this really cool balance uh, where one of the composers did not really feel comfortable like talking and blah, blah, blah. And like, I always feel comfortable doing that. Uh, well, at least in like the band leader format. Yeah. So I was just like, oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. And like afterwards we both were like, that worked really well. Like that, mm-hmm. that was one of the, the caveats that worked well. Like, so if that's something that you don't like doing, like you need to find a way around that. And one of the, that could be a way around that, but like just learning something, learning mechanisms or learning like ways to communicate that work for you are always really, really good. Cause networking is essential in any form of, of entrepreneurial business. Well, and we're in like music entrepreneurship. Yeah. So it's like, it's not weird when you get a degree or, and you're like, I'm going to be a performer. You are now, you are now a business. So you are now a business. Yes. Yeah. So you got to learn how to communicate that business. Which is which crazy. Is not to di- yeah. And not to digress on, on that from an education standpoint, but like, how is it that schools are just now coming to the point and not all of them, but like as a whole are just now starting to come to the point of how important the entrepreneurial process is in music. Yeah. I mean, when that's the way it's always been, man, it's like you're, you're an instrumental music major. When you graduate, you're becoming a working performing music major. That means you are your own business. You are entrepreneurial. That Mm -hmm. is the nature of being what this is. And yet, it's taken so long to really solidify the importance of learning about that in music schools. What is happening? Man? I, well, I'm glad, at least I'm glad that it's getting a, a, around to that, but like, it's just like really, and this is a complaint that I've heard a lot of times from educators specifically who are like, this is, this is the a thing that we need to be teaching. And like, I think it comes from like them learning and then their, their students graduating learning. And it's like, Especially now today where we have to be our own entrepreneur. They're like, we don't, the people don't have the money to afford people to be entrepreneurial for them. Like, right. And that could be part of the change. Like maybe in like an older pipeline, there was the, the, the caveat that like you had a, not a team, but like you, you could form a relationship with someone to do the entrepreneurial tasks for you. And like, you're more of the creative person. But now today, like, I feel like that's all a one-stop shop and the stop top and the shop is you. Like it's, yeah. 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 No, I agree. And, and, uh, and this actually relates to the question of what would you tell young people is that, um, you know, you, you do learn by doing right. I mean, that's the way music is right. You, you, You can't learn how to play the blues in a practice room. You can learn some cool licks. You can even learn how to string some things together, but you can't really learn how to play the blues in a practice room. You learn how to play the blues by living your life and by going out and doing it, right? And it's the same way with the entrepreneurial thing. I mean, I did learn the things that I needed to do to become successful in the way that I've become successful, Um, But I learned by doing and it was because I was the kind of person that was okay putting myself out there and doing that Mm -hmm. and okay asking the questions and okay putting the time in and okay, you know, fine. And and this is the other thing, too. The, the, The creative process is not just about playing. Right. You've got to learn how to be creative in every aspect of your life. Creative time, creative with your money creative with finding ways to 
raise money, you know, <laughs> creative with uh, finding ways to book gigs, creative with ways putting tours together. Like these, this is all creative uh, uh, activities here. And you have to find a way to be creative in every aspect. There's a great book out there. Tell me if you know it. It's called Free Play. No. Nachmanovich. Man, get this Ooh. book. Yeah, I'm going to put that in the notes, too, because I tend yeah. to put, like, suggested reading. Oh, wait. So it's called Free Play, Free Play. by Stephen Nachmanovich. And it's the, the idea of Free Play has to do with that, you know, as and I remember seeing this with my kid, like seeing my kid when he was five and he could be literally in a room with nothing. And yet you, he was creating a universe, man, like with nothing. And that idea of free play and that as we get older, how we lose that. And so the whole book is about kind of the creative process and how it relates, not even just to music. I mean, the, the great thing about the book is that he relates it to being a computer programmer, being a business person and being an artist. And it's it's a really unbelievable book. I, I highly recommend it. Free play. Stephen Nachmanovich. Nachmanovich. Yeah, that's a that's a last name. <laughs> Not Stephen Nachmanovich. Okay, so I got that. I got that Nachman. Oh my gosh, Nachmanovich. I want to keep saying that over and over. Um, yeah. So um, uh, there's been, there's other entrepreneurial books that like I feel like I don't know why it's been like the last four or five years, but I feel like every time I have this conversation, a lot of books like um, oh my gosh, oh oh my gosh, talent is overrated. Mm. is this one book that I've heard a whole bunch and it's more of a classical music like older and it's it's older but like the 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 thesis of the book is in the first is in the title it's like great you're really really talented and you uh like real worked really hard on being able to play and now what now what <laughs> you're right yeah, and it's just like right from me. The, yeah. the resources are there to learn but it'd be really really great if in our academics it was those were some of the resources that we presented as yeah. well yeah yeah especially well, i created yeah. a class at kent state uh called music career development and entrepreneurship good it's going to be become part of the core and it's 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 built off of three concepts, which is create a project, fund a project, promote a project. Oh, yeah, right. Those are the three. <laughs> Those are the three, right? Yeah. And, you know, and the whole thing is about a, a project-based class where you, you learn aspects of all three. That includes things like raising money, even paying taxes and all of that. And then, you know, what are all the, the mediums to promote and how do you fund grants and, and, and sponsorship, yada, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So. And you learn, by, and I, I tell you, you learn by doing. So you that whole smash project with all the things that you just said, I was like, yeah, I learned about taxes after 2022 January. Boy, I was just <laughs> deep into the financial oh archives. I was like, I got to get QuickBooks or something. And I did. And I've lived by QuickBooks since because January 20. 20 your boy was stressed i was like i am not trying to get like beat up by the irs over a big band record my god they're like what happened with this thirty thousand dollars i'm like i don't know sir tied to a chair they're like yeah yeah if that's how audits operate I, i've only I, I thought that's how audits are that's, i don't know yeah right that's actually. how you see it in your mind yeah right yeah i don't i i it's probably more like suit and tie than that but still like it probably yeah. feels, it feels like some sort of interrogation um anyways um bobby uh the, where can people like find you to check out your music uh or to check out what you do so uh, my website is simple. It's just bobbysavaggio.com. 
Uh, if you Google my name, I'm old enough that I, and I've done enough that pages upon pages of things will come up. Uh, I have tons of video on YouTube, so you can follow my page there. Uh, I'm on uh, at least I'm you know man I it, I, I don't want to say this is the old school of me. It's just I'm I'm so busy. I don't I haven't really gotten into TikTok yet and all that stuff. But I have Instagram and Facebook um, and tons of stuff that I post on there about my music career. Um, I have multiple things on Spotify. So if you want to check out my music, just uh, do all of us the courtesy when you check out music there, then go buy the record if you dig it. Oh, uh, man. You know, so but that's a whole nother discussion. Right. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm all over uh, the internets, as they say, um, in various forms. Um, you know, tons of projects coming up. Uh, um, I'm, I'm really excited about some upcoming things. So, well, I'm excited to hear those things as well. Uh, for our listeners at home, you've been, uh, listening to a conversation between me and Northeast Ohio composer, saxophonist, educator, and badass, uh, Bobby Salvaggio. Thanks so much, Bobby. Oh man, Steven. Thank you, man. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Extra Musical. Extra Musical is a Hidden Cinema Records production. Please be sure to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you get your podcasts and look out for future episodes. Bye for now.